What's up? This is Jeff Funk. You're listening to Behind the Decks. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Decks, event podcast series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. Each pod, I check in with DJs and producers from the UK and beyond, discussing their musical journeys, their artistry, and most importantly, the person behind the decks. My special guest for this episode, listeners, is someone who's had to overcome a range of challenges in his life, including adjusting to a whole new country, language, and culture, which we'll discuss in the course of this pod. His name is Jan, or as he is otherwise known, Pastel. I was lucky enough to connect with Jan through friend of Venn, Yarfunk, and he's another fantastic R&B and house producer in the scene. Originally from Orban in France, Jan moved to London in November 2014 and has spent the last six years immersing himself in the UK music scene and navigating the music industry, all while learning a new language and adapting to living in a new city. Get yourself comfy and have a listen as I go Behind the Decks with Pastel. Yeah, and welcome to Behind the Decks, mate. Thanks so much for coming on and taking the time out of your day to chat to me. Firstly, how are you and, and how are you coping with the general situation we're in right now? Not just professionally, I guess, but also with your mental health as well. Hey, man. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a few uh, weird months, but, but I'm doing good, honestly. Like, the lockdown's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting long now. And um, you just put out a new single, I believe, which we'll talk about later on in the pod, but I've been getting some uh, sponsored Instagram ads about it. So it seems like you're, you're keeping busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I do actually. I have like, uh, I had a, a plan uh, before the lockdown, uh, releasing like a lot of songs, uh, got like a few songs to release. And uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of a good time for me to, uh, you know, to release them. And But yeah, yeah, I keep busy and uh, it's, it's beginning so far. Like I can't complain, honestly. Brilliant, brilliant. Now we've got that out of the way. Shall we crack on and get started? Definitely, yeah. Let's start at the beginning, Jan, and talk about your journey as Pastel. Firstly, how did your love affair with music begin? You know, tell me a bit about some of your favourite records growing up, your music idols and inspirations, and and how you first got into producing. Um, so I, I guess I started music when I, um, when I was living in this little town um, that was barely anything to do and I was uh you know like um I think I was like getting into creative stuff um you know in my bedroom and and then you know like trying to find like anything could be arts related you know could be um, mm-hmm. um drawing and, and things like this and um I started by I think it's because my stepdad had a piano and then um I kind of like you know started playing around and then fell in love with this and um my family never been really into music but they they always mm. you know like um they they were always listening to like a wide range um mm. like i've got older sister she you know she was into r&b like you know the 2000s r&b mm. so kind of like mm. up around this my mom was a so my mom is station so she um she was in between like Tahitian music and also like mm. 80s funk. So I mm. kind of grew up around this. this. And um, I guess when I started to, to you know, to create music, um, 
it's kind of weird because I was into rock music, like into indie rock, rock music. Mm. And um, I had my first band playing those punk rock scene, you know, like uh, Sum 41, Blink-182. I guess when I, you know, when I, I, I was growing up and then get, getting, you know, more interested in like having a career or something like that, I kind of like discover all this this music genre that that was like big in France at the time, like you know the French Dutch. Um, I feel like you know, like it was. Um, I think it was a long period of my of of, of my of my you know time when when I was a child that I kind of started to realize that I was like really interested into art. It could be like anything. Uh, it could be you know like as I was saying like drawing and stuff, but music was the one that I went for, and 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 I felt like you know there was a, a real connection, um, mm. and I, I I guess when I started having bands, that's when I realized that I I wanted to definitely have a career in this, and it was pretty hard at the time because uh, you I grew up in a in a small very small city, and you know finding mates that could play music with with me wasn't easy. And mm. I guess when I had my last band, that's when I I realized that I could probably do things myself. And that's when I, got, I actually, you know, like fall into like producing my own stuff myself. But it was kind of not wanted I, I, at the time. I just I, I just wanted to uh, to just record my band. But you know, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> So, so it'd be fair to say that um, your producing journey almost came out of force or necessity because you kind of were struggling to find other people to be in a band with. Um, yeah. Just talk to me about how that producing journey started. Now, so obviously you picked up a guitar from when you were really young, but how did you know you pick up other instruments to start your producing journey, and and how did um, sort of the name of Pastel come from as well, and and, and that sort of art of music production? Um, I think I started because. Um... As I was saying, you know, the fact that I was like in in this small small city, it, it, it was like um, more like an escape for me and then a way to kind of mm. express myself. And I started, mm. I think, my stepdad had this piano, and I think I started like you know like playing around. My mom had a guitar as well, so I was like you know doing um, you know like trying everything. I obviously at the time I wasn't you know like good or anything, but. I was trying, you know, and then um, I remember one day on that, on when I was in, um, you know, school, I don't know how you call in the UK, if it's college or, um, no, how do you call when you're like 11 years old? Oh, secondary yeah, school. secondary, yeah. <laughs> I remember being like secondary school and then there was this band of like the, actually the oldest of the school. So like the coolest mm. guy, whatever. They were looking for a drummer and then I was like, oh, I can be a drummer. And they were like, can you drum? I was like, no, but I'm going to learn. And I, just <laughs> <myself>. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to be part of this band. I want to make music, you know, I want to. So I kind of like uh, started like faking drumming on my favorite, re- like, um, you know, rock records. At the time there was, you know, like all this punk rock or, uh, you know, like U2 or, or things like this, that anything that I had in my you know, in my house. And then I started like that. And then I realized that I love drumming and then so created a band. And then it kind of like became like this. And then I also, yeah. And then at some point I was like, oh, I want to learn how to play guitar. So I just pick up a guitar and then learn with my mates. And then kind of like, you know, started like this. And and I, 
as as long as I remember, I think you know, as I was saying, like falling into music production wasn't really something I wanted at the beginning. I I, I always had the dream of recording stuff in studio with my band, you know, but it never happened. I always like you know became like having my my music journey by myself, which which is good. I obviously don't don't complain about. Um, I think the project uh, itself at the, at the time I I didn't really have a name, you know. I was um kind of like finding my sound and and then like I remember I was really into like you know like um French touch um like house electro but very funk um with mm. some you know like some some of this style of music into my music so it was a mix of everything. I was really like you know trying to find to find my my my, my genre. Um, I didn't really have a name at this time. I, I remember like putting remixes out on on SoundCloud and and stuff. And and then one day I I know I always been you know like um, I always been like a visual person. I always feel like mm. um, behind a brand and be behind a, behind anything. When you think about I don't know when you think about Nike, for example, you're gonna you're gonna have this image of like you know athlete and this is the kind of things I'm really into, you know, like I feel like, a, I feel like a music always, to me, a music always have like a, a color, always have like a, you know, a visual. Mm, and mm, to me, mm. um, finding a word that could be, you know, simple, um, a name that could be, um, you know, spell anywhere and then make me think about something would be, you know, the, the best thing. And then I came up with pastel because I, I feel like, to me, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know in England or anywhere in the world, but to me, pastel is like, is like a palette of colors that mm, reminds me of mm. something that's very soft and minimal. And mm. I always judge my music being like this. And I feel like that was the best match between, you know, those two universes to kind of connect it together. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, I also learned that pastel is a, a type of food in Brazil and other countries, but I didn't know. <laughs> so, so it took on multiple meanings <laughs> yeah it does which is good though um that's a really great explanation pastor and i love i love i love that um sort of background to it what what impact does producing have on your mental health when you're in the studio in that moment does does it help you during perhaps those more difficult moments of your mental health and, and help you escape or is it perhaps something cathartic and euphoric um i think it started because it was hard to uh, express myself being a kid, so I always felt mm. like making music was the only way I could just be in my own, you know, um, environment, my own bubble, and then, you know, and I kind of like uh, kept that thing. So I, th- I think it does help me in a, in a sense that, you know, I'm like the really good thing is whenever I, I, I produce, whenever I create music. It's kind of hard to, 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 um, how can I explain it? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to actually go back to the outside world. Like, I'm really into my bubble. And then I guess mm. it does help me to, you know, to, I don't know. I, I always, I always, I mean, when I look back, I think it's a, it always been a good way of expressing myself, uh, in anything. So it, it's, it's just good to, Whenever I create, you know, I, I have to deal with no one. I just I'm just dealing with myself, and then, you know, like mm. you, you take decisions that sometimes, you know, you in in your day, you know, like everyday life, you you always have like you know like stuff coming in between. 
when when I create music, I'm I'm you know I'm just making choice myself. And um, and how did you develop your skills um, as a producer and as a DJ? You know, I spoke to Jar Funk and we 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 discussed how vastly different the skill sets are between a DJ and producer. Yeah. Were you conscious that you needed to be able to do a little bit of both to succeed in the industry? Um, when I when I first started, I I really wasn't wasn't into DJ. I was really into like you know like uh, create like creating a, a live set and and things like this mm. i remember at the time i wasn't even in london i was um i was still in france and then um i i met um i came to london to to just visit for like a, a month with my friends and i met this girl and then like we we, we just became friends and then and then she she started you know like I came to to London and she she told me that she um she basically made me discover disclosure she made me discover because she was at school with one of them so I was like oh wow that's crazy and then and they just released Latch so that was like you know they were like oh wow what a moment to discover I know mate. and then I was oh my <laughs> god and then and then I realized that oh they were doing live but they were also doing DJ set and I was like oh so you could do like anything in this music thing that's crazy you know. <laughs> and and yeah so my 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 big thing was to actually create the live sets but it was you know super hard when you just started into production um mm. so i also so i found out that you know like djing was a thing and then i started getting you know passionate about this and then realized that it's it you can do like you know as as much on a, on a dj that being a dj than you know doing live and um but to, to answer your question, like we say difference between DJ production, it's two different skills. Um, it, it takes time for both of them. I think it, it mm. took, you know, the, the experience I had pro, uh, producing my songs definitely helped me to, to you know, to DJ, to, to get better at DJing, you know. Just talk to me about the first gig that you did as Pastel and how that came about, you know, where was it? Who else was on the bill and the, the journey that you had before, during and, and after your performance, kind of any nerves or anxieties that you were doing this for real and it, it was a reality. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think the first gigs I was like, when I, when I moved to London, um, my project didn't have a name. I think it was after a year that I named it Pastel. Um, so, at the beginning, I was really trying to um, to find gigs as a DJ into w with this project. You know, it was kind of hard. So I was like doing warehouses, party, playing in clubs, uh, you know, like small rooms and things like this. But the mm -hmm. memory I have as a first gig, I, um, it's it was in Asia actually. I think it's when I moved uh, when I moved for a little tour in Asia. I don't know if it was my first time, but from what I remember, the anxiety I had, it was this one. Because to me, that was my first ever, my first ever gig that was into this project. That was seen as a gig, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't seen mm. as a warehouse party in the middle of like, you know, like at 3 a.m. when like no one is there, and then, mm. you know? Mm. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't like, um, I don't say bad things about this, but I'm saying like I kind of like felt like my project um was something when I when I started in Asia. And this this was a big thing for me because someone called me to to play in Asia to play my music and 
like I was so anxious because literally, you know, you go play, you know, in another country, like at the, the end of the world over there, and then mm. and then you know you have to. It, it was it was pretty hard because I, I I feel like you know you got this time in music when you you just don't know if you're doing the right things, and then mm. when someone is offering you to do what you love. And it's something you'd be waiting for. You always have like this feeling of being like, "Oh, do I, do I deserve that? Am I gonna be like good enough mm. to, to mm. you know?" And then I remember the first the gig I've done was in Taipei, and it was like half DJ, half. Uh, so I offered him like he offered me to do a DJ set, but I wanted to do a live, so I kind of like did the mm. DJ set slash playing guitar on top. So it was like a mixture of both. Mm. And um, yeah, I remember being uh, being very excited because it's a um, you know first first gig for my project. But also, like I remember, like when I moved back in the hotel room, it was uh, I had so much pressure there. I I just couldn't. I, I know it's kind of weird, but I couldn't handle that, and I, I start crying and stuff. Mm. Like oh, I don't know if I did well, blah blah. You know, like beating myself up and. Mm. Because mm. you know, like you always want, you always like dream of touring and somewhere else, and then, but but yeah, yeah, that's I feel like you know, I mm. um, it's probably because it was the first time, you know, like really serious mm. time for me, and then it was a big thing. But yeah, mm. it sounds like um, from what you said, yeah, and that you had a bit of sort of maybe imposter syndrome that you felt like you weren't kind of living up to some sort of imagined expectation of what you were supposed to be yeah. performing wise. Would that be fair to say? I think so. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good word you say because you know I think it's also because like for years I was trying so hard to to have gigs and stuff, but in London it's actually not that easy, especially for my mm. scene because at the time I was doing like probably in between every genre and then like you know like and so so I think it's because like one day someone called me and told me to play in another country and that was a, such a big thing and that yes that's probably why I had this feeling yeah was there a moment Jan when you were breaking into the scene where you felt like you, you were accepted or belonged in it maybe it was a nice text message from a producer you admired maybe you did a great live performance or or maybe even a compliment from a fan or just someone who had seen your work I mean, I did have like some texts and stuff. Like, um, um, there, there, there are so many things. But the thing I, I, I probably remember is, um, I know it's very simple, but I like I met so many big people in music, which which taught me a lot. Mm. And you know, like, like every time I work with with just another person, I always learn so much. And then I'm so grateful to be able to, uh, you know, to meet these people in the industry, but I feel like the, the things that touch, touches me the most is um, whenever someone texts me on Instagram that I actually don't know, like we don't have any friends in common. Mm. And they're just like, you know, they don't even like ask me anything. They just come to tell me, oh, carry on what you're doing. It's so good. Never stop. Blah, blah, blah. You mm. know, and then just this, mm. just this make me feel like it's crazy. Like I started in my bedroom from mm. like, you know, uh, shitty little computer and then now like people random people like listen to my music and tell me that and to me that that's a that's just a that's a big thing you know it's let's talk about the early days of pastel now now i believe the first piece of work you ever put out and i've uh, i've gone back right back through your soundcloud discography for this was a bootleg of nelly and kelly Rowland's dilemma now i listened to it this week and it's almost got a sort of track vibe to it that people like hudson mohawk and wave racer and 
and Rusty were putting out back then. Just tell me about how it came about and also how you how you reflect on it some four years later. Yeah, um, this is actually the the piece of it was I made in London actually. So it's kind of crazy because I when I was in London I was in between two cultures because I started my projects like almost a year before I moved to London. So I was in between those, um, you know, the culture that was happening in France and the culture mm-hmm. that was happening in London. So it's mixed genre, like literally. I feel like I didn't really, I didn't really know what I wanted, but whenever I had an idea, it was, you know, it was like, oh, what well, I was listening at the time, that was like driving me to make a, a production this way. I remember at the time I was like listening to Rusty Hook, um, my friends from, from, from Paris called uh, Shine was making a lot of like tunes like mm. that and mm. like trap was being a big thing and I, I really wanted to you know to, to mix genre and like explore things my, mm. my sound at the time was it was like I think this song I think I deleted a lot of tracks uh, before <laughs> <laughs> but th- this song this song yeah is I think it's the most trappy one. I did another one that's actually super trap. And when I listened to it, I was like, this doesn't sound like me at all. But I think I'm, I'm more I'm more like a chill. Um, I have more like a chill sound, sorry. Um, back then, I think, yeah, the fact that, you know, like, I think it's the, you know, when SoundCloud arrived, it, there was such a wave of like genres. Like whenever like a new guy was putting out a record, something that worked or remix, everyone was doing the same thing because they were like, oh, like, oh, this is new genre. We love that. And I think I was kind of into that wave. I was like, oh, I love that style. I'm going to make it, you know? And yeah, that's mm. how things happen for this, this vibe. <laughs> you put out a single called Wriggle featuring Beth Agate shortly after, which is a real melodic record and has an almost tropical feel when that, when that chorus beat kicks in. Yeah. At this point, were you still sort of honing your sound and experimenting with different flavours or, or by this point, were you sort of getting closer to the sound that you wanted to produce on a consistent basis? I, I was getting closer and I was really happy because, um, yeah, I like, I, I remember at the time I was a big fan of Bondax, like so, mm. like I'm still actually, they're, they're so great. Disclosure as well and then still like have this uh, French touch, um, you, you know, French touch um, vibe into it. And I was kind of exploring, but I I'm, I was like really, um, yeah, I feel like I was getting closer to what I, was, I wanted to do. What I always, always wanted to do is like bring sun into my music, groove and, you know, joy, happiness. This, this is kind of how I see my, my project to be. And I remember my one of my French friends, he had, um, he made this track actually with, uh, Beth forget who who actually sang on Bondax record um, giving uh, giving it up uh, giving it all giving it all sorry yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh my god man like I love that song as my favorite blah blah and then he was like oh let's work on this blah blah and then we started doing this and then I barely made the whole song and he said you know what like it's fine just keep it because I don't think I have time you know at this time the guy just so it started like that and then. That's when, when the guy actually, when this person like gave me the, you know, the right to actually work on the song, I was like, oh, you know what? Let, let's do something that try to sound like as much as I want, want it to sound, you know? And then I feel like this is probably the first track where I've been proud to be like, oh, this sounds like what I would want to do later. And I don't know if, I don't think my music sounds like that, but 
there are some like some of the codes that I respected at the time in my music right now, you know. Mm. You also put out your first body of work that year with the release of your Headroom EP. Now, my favourite track on that is Don't Talk. Um, if listeners want to go and have a great dig after listening to this pod. First off, you know, what was the sound that you wanted to create on this project? And, and was it a different challenge in, in putting together a group of tracks that would feel sort of cohesive and, and true to your music identity? Was it was it a proud moment in your life when this went out? Yeah, it was um, It was a project I had. Um, I feel like, uh, to me... Who has been um, um, important to um, to define your sound? Uh, your sound, sorry, being. Um, I, f- I, f- I always feel like you know, if you have a, a piece of work that's like an EP, it's a good way to show uh, your audience what genre you are, like what style, what music is your style, what style of music you have. Sorry, and mm. to me, it was a big thing because. You know, you don't really know how to do. At the beginning, I just had, I think I had two songs. I had Don't Talk, already made, with my friend Ben. Um, and I think I had another one. And I was like, oh, they both sound similar. And um, it would be nice to make, you know, two others or three. They could sound the same and then, you know, put out a project. Because at the time, it was good to be like, oh, I'm working on something right now. And then... You know, like it's a good way to 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 drive your project to something you know more more serious and have like you know a, a genre um, behind it. Um, yeah, so that that was a big thing. It was uh, it was a new way of working as well. Um, I'm I'm like now obviously my you know my music evolved and I think my 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 mix uh, uh, how do you say my mix technique definitely evolved, but. Mm. But I was kind of happy because, you know, I um, I was independent at the time. I'm, I'm still dependent, but I was like doing everything independent. And I, and I feel like for the amount of audience, I, the amount of people that in my audience that I had, compared to what I had in return, like definitely helped me. And uh, yeah. Mm. After this and over the next couple of years, you put your focus on releasing like a plethora of remixes and singles. Um, a few standouts for me are your remix of Miss You by fellow dance R&B prince Young Franco. Um, you had some singles called Temperature, No Rush, Proof and, and Long Life, which are just really heavenly sort of R&B vibes. Looking back on this period, you know, what records are you most proud of or have meant the most to you, for, meant the most to you from a, a, a creative perspective or, or a mental health perspective? Um. I think at this time I was, I think I was, I always been so motivated to to have a career in this in in, in this industry, and um, I think at the time um, I had like songs, but it was getting I don't know why it, it was like this period of time when it was getting so hard to have sessions and stuff like that. Um, so I started like remixes. Uh, I was just remixing like any songs that I loved, and I was like, you know what? Like I want to, I want to express myself. That was a good way to express myself, actually. You know, mm. to to just like remix songs and then show what was my genre, what was like, you know, what codes I was defending and stuff. Um, and I think it started actually with Young Franco, but it was I had the acapella of one of his older songs, so I remixed it, and then he. Young Franco said, "Oh, we love that one. Do you want to remix the next, the next track?" And then it started like that. So, like you mm. know, I, I fell in love into like you know remixing track and make it sound like like mine. And it definitely mm. helped me because um, it helped me like gaining a confidence confidence that probably I didn't have before. Being like, oh, you know, you you don't have to make 
you know, like a full track A to Z. You can just remix them, make it sound like yours, and then, and then it was like, you know, I was getting gaining audience from it and see that my work could be a remix, could be anything, was um, appreciated, and people could could put me in that, you know, style of music. So I think mm. I think at this time that was super helpful because, like you know, you you mentioned mental health. It's it's definitely uh, it's, it definitely helped me because um, the, the industry is not easy. And then I think sometimes mm. when you um, you need some some sort of confidence behind you, and that's what happened for those. I think it was in between a year and a half to two years when I was putting out a lot of remixes, and then I had like gigs from it. Um, so it helped me. It helped me a lot, and then that's something I never, um, I never like. I always do is like I never stop. You know, I always like do. Whenever I have an idea, I just mm. do it. Because if I stop, I feel like I, do, I don't know. I feel bad. I'm probably walk acrylic. I don't know what you call that, but last year you, Yarfunk and Fabish collaborated on a record called Ecstasy, which to me sounds like a, a Brazilian carnival. It gives me nostalgia to the types of records that kind of Basement Jacks were making in the early noughties. What's the kind of relationship you have with them, and and is the sort of R, is the R and B dance music scene a place where you found you can be open about your mental health, where you might be struggling and and be supported by by not just friends like them, but also other producers? Um, yeah, so um, I I met them um, probably two two years ago, two three years ago. Um, we we connected straight away because I think our genre is very um, you know very similar in in a way. Um, when we did this record, it was it was actually very chill session. We, um, you know, we, we went to the studio and then working on a, on another song, and then at some point we started jamming. Um, the the Brazilian style is, I think, it's because I'm I'm a big fan of Bossanova, and I'm, I'm always like, you know, in between sessions or even like whenever I produce a track, I'm always trying to to, to add that 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 style into it. And, mm. and the song started as a uh, as a jam on the guitar, like I was jamming a Brazilian Brazilian like chords and you know bossa nova kind of uh, style, and then they all like start j- jumped on in and started like you know adding their touch. Um, the, this, I think that the genre of like R and B and R and B and we say like house groovy things definitely like helped me mm. to develop my mm. sound and and to to. Um, I think to open myself into like a genre that that I never like realized that there was so deep, you know, when I was listening to records from from my sister, there was like pop R&B, but I realized that behind pop R&B, there are like a whole generation, a whole thing of, uh, you know, like soul, neo soul, um, and it's very deep and I don't know if it answers your question, but but I think mm. I think you know diving into this genre and like like very in, uh, being very into it and un- understanding definitely helped me to open myself into you know the the big world of music and understanding it more. Let's talk about your latest work now. You put out a couple of new singles um, last month. One was called Bamboo with Eliza Twinkles, and another more recent single which you've just put the video out for was Daylight featuring Ben Kessler, which is a a slight departure, I would say, probably from your usual sort of more up-tempo dance R&B vibes, but is equally enjoyable and, and much more sort of traditional and smoothed out soul uh, as an R&B record. I think Bamboo in particular has sort of shades of Corin Bailey Ray in its vocals. Did, did either of these singles sort of take you out of your comfort zone that you enjoyed doing? 
Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I'm really excited about these, these songs because um, for the first time, I actually, um, I actually realized that actually for the first time, I felt like I was um, making something new that I never heard. And that always been my, um, my drive, you know, always been something that I always wanted to do. Um, mm. Yeah, I feel like these songs are, to me, they are very different, but they're also very close to why what I was, you know, wanted to do. You know, as I was explaining, the the joy, the happiness, the sun, the you know, that's what reflects my music. That's what reflects me uh, as a person as well. Um, I, I think, I think the fact that I've been listening to like a wider range of type of music definitely helped me. And I always knew that, but it's always hard to just like force yourself to listen to something new. It basically came came naturally, you know. Like I'm, I was listening to, I was listening to like R and B, soul, hip hop, uh, or house. But now I'm like more listening to indie music, indie rock. Been listening to uh, you know a lot of like cla- um, um, classical bossa nova or, or, or things like that. And I think what helped me to, um, to to develop that sound is when because I've been like um, I've been like to, like uh, playing my music in, uh, in in Asia for now three years like and I think this helped me because you just realized that you know this is a new cultural um, I'm really I'm really inspired every time I go there um, and I think yeah um, my sound is just a mixture of all these things I. I know I also went through um, um, a separation with my ex-girlfriend, and I think um, I think this was a, a, a big deal for me. Um, mm. to, to and I think it. I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but those it, it did help me to actually create a new piece piece of music. If if you take bamboo, is a is a lot of like um, this song is. Um, this song is is kind of like I would, I would call that like an innocent love kind of vibe, you know. I know it's super different from what I do, but but mm. but when I created it, it was it, it rang it rang the bell to me. I was like, oh, this is how I wanted to sound. And then Elisa, you know, put her, her vocals, and that was the the way it was. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Let's not touch it and just release it like that. You know, um, process was quite fast. And and then you talked about daylight. We uh, I met Ben through a friend, and then. It, it, like I remember jamming with those bits that I used to do before, and I was like, you know, I have like all these songs that sound uh, still, still very soft, and I want something a bit. Um, it was like, um, oh yeah, it sounds cool. Let's jam on that, and we started jamming, and then he put his vocals. His music is very pop as well. I mean, it's pop more pop than than my music, so I feel like that's that was a good good mixture, you know. Um, and to, you also, you know, mentioned the video. The good thing that I love about this project is I made the video, so I directed the video, and then uh, we put all our ideas down, and we did it ourselves, which is something that I always love. You know, I feel like when you have um, when you have total control of your visual and like art direction, that's that's even better because you can, you know, like uh, tell your audience, um, show your audience what you, what your music is really is. You know, what is your music like? You know what I mean? Thanks for your honesty um, about about your uh, relationship there, and I really appreciate it. And and it sounds like you you were able to sort of take a, a positive out of a negative. If that makes sense. Let's reflect on your music journey now. 
just in these last four years, how do you think you've evolved as an artist, um, a producer and a DJ from where you were four years ago to now? I think so many things happen that you you don't expect. I mean, you don't expect like all these things happening. You always like feel like you always like your your point A to B traced out in your head, and then you realize that you have to go through different different routes to 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 be wherever you want. But um, I think it's been great. I mean, I'm 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 so grateful and and I'm so happy that I've been you know like being around like everyone and then being able to travel with my music um on the dj side i, I i'm djing less um my my goal has been to to play live my music so I'm, i've been focusing on that and but i still love doing this like sometimes i do have parties when i like i'm in mean, parties like events where where i'll be i'll be djing and then i don't want to lose that skill that's something that i love to do and then i think Play live is good, but it's also very stressful because I'm I'm trying to mm, do like mm. live looping and then you know like jumping on four instruments uh, in one song is not easy. Making music and DJing for the number of years you have done, Leanne, what are the, some of the realities that people might not see about the life of a producer, and and has it ever impacted on? other parts of your life positively or negatively i know a lot of people seem to think that every producer or dj seems to be living a, a superstar superstar dj life but we know that's not the case uh, man that's uh, that's good that you you're treating that topic because that's something i want to talk about uh, it's, it's a good question because uh, yes you're right uh, it, it's it's really hard uh, for people mm. outside this industry to understand what, how it works because Taking an example, people back in France, my friends, you know, my friends from school, they just don't understand what's going on. They're like, oh, okay, so wait, you're going on tour, but nobody knows you. I was like, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> and then um, it's it's not easy. You also have these people thinking that being a DJ is a guy who, who takes drugs and then, you know, um, parties and, and, and what, mm, you know. Mm. When when the actual industry is like, is like a... a, a um, constant um can i say it's a constant thing that you always have to 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 think again rethink how you could you could make it work you know and like it's a constant Mm. motivation you have to keep and i I think it i think being in this industry it's not easy like i would say like probably a lot of industries but I, i think music it's it's one of them one of the toughest because yeah um I don't know. We're all driven by 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 a dream. We're all driven by motivated, but but the amount of work we're going to put um, versus um, you know vs that, that what we're going to get back in return it is a big thing. It sounds like from what you're saying, Jan, that you have this sort of fear to constantly have to evolve to stay relevant, um, and also to sort of keep your livelihood going. And and it seems like that's something that perhaps a lot of DJs and producers share because they want to keep that dream alive. Is that something that you would agree with? Yeah. That, that, <clears throat> the thing is in, in this is you, you like I realized very fast, very quickly that if I wanted this to be a career, I had to learn a lot of things. Um, and when you're young, you, you, you're like, oh, it's fine. I'm just going to learn how to produce. And then someone will help me out to mix, blah, blah. But you just realize, no, actually, you have to learn how to do that. And then whenever you learn how to do this, you realize that it's another thing that you have to learn. And then 
and then you kind of like get into the loop and you realize that you actually have to do everything yourself, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's the industry is you, you have to just keep learning. I mean, that's the way I see it myself. And I, I, the thing is like, I love learning new things. I'm, you know, that's my thing, but I know that it's, it can be like, it can be very difficult because if you want to have something is, I mean, there are like a lot of different stories, but it's, it's a constant learning and how to make things yourself. So, you know, you like managing yourself uh, is, 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 a, is a job itself, you know, like you can't just keep doing things. Me, I'm doing all my visuals because probably because I'm, you know, I'm very specific about uh, the art direction that I want, but I've tried, you know, and sometimes it's hard, you know, to work with other people. So I'm doing this and then, yeah, it's, it's not easy. Like even the, the business side of it, I think the business side of it is the, is the, the biggest thing for, for DJ, for, 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 you know, for, for a singer, for an artist, for, for whoever is in the music industry, we don't know where we're going. We, we know what we want, but we don't know how to go there, how to get there. Mm. And, and mm. I feel like that's the biggest thing with everyone. We all, we're all trying to figure out, you know, you could be a DJ who wants to play in big, big clubs in around the world or festivals, but you, you think that you have to go towards that way. So you're trying everything, but you just realize that no. And then you just realize that it's all a business that you also have to learn around it, you know? Mm. And just as a final question, Jan, before we move on to your mental health journey, for anyone wanting to, to get into producing or making music, what message or advice would you give them from your experience? Um, from my experience, I would say it's, um, I think it's like what I did. I never, um, I never stopped. I always like, I never questioned myself. I mean, I did obviously, but I just realized that the more you question yourself, the more the, the less you're going to do, it's, it's all about like executing and then you fix things on, on, on your way, you know? Um, mm. I think like, actually I have a lot of people on, on Instagram asking me, uh, asking me this, this question, Oh, how did you start? How would you advise me to start? And I'm like, Oh, like some people told me, Oh, I love uh, jazz guitar. Like, uh, what advice you give me? Like, if I want to, I was like, Oh, just keep doing it, you know? And then, and then you figure out on the way and, and I think that's probably the advice I would give, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's important to, to not think too much because if you start thinking too much, you end up having tons of ideas in your head and then end up being, you know, mixed up and, 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 and then no messy, but like lost, you know? So that's probably what we would say to everyone. We've talked about Pastel. Let's go behind the decks and talk about your own journey, Jan. So firstly, just tell me a bit about your early life, your childhood years, your upbringing, your teenage years, and, and whether looking back, were there any mental, early mental health experiences during this time you can pinpoint? You know, who's the Jan we meet here? Um, yeah, that, um, I experienced a lot of things, like, like everyone I guess, <laughs> you know. But, um, so, I, um, so I was, you know, I was born in the southeast of France, um, with my mom, who is from uh, Tahiti, so French Polynesia, and my dad uh, from, uh, so he's French, but um, uh, half Italian. And um, I, I grew up in, actually, I didn't really grow up with, with my parents together because they, they, they separated when I was like four or five, I don't remember. Mm. But I, 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 probably because I was really young, I don't, I don't know if it affects me a lot, 
but that was the the after the I think uh, started affecting affecting me uh, man- mentally because um, you know my, my mom uh, uh, moved city and so I was seeing my dad less and less and and, and I feel like you know I uh, I did um, you know I did I did live something uh, um, it was something hard I guess for for anyone you know they they got um, uh, the parents separated. Um, mm. So, so I, I kind of like started growing up with my with my mom uh, and my sister. So my mom was a single single mom, uh, um, you know, uh, um, like educating uh, um, two two kids, and so we started like growing this uh, like growing up with this life lifestyle. And then, so you know, as kids, it's it's not easy when you don't have a when you don't have your two parents together. But but I, honestly, I don't have like really bad memories about this. I think what happened is when so my mom um, re, re, like she, she she got married after that uh, to my to my to my actual stepdad which which is great you know it, it was a great thing um, I think the thing that affected me when I when I grew up was more my my teen, teenage uh, you know teenage time because um, we uh, we moved to like a very an actual like smaller city and and that's um, that wasn't easy because, like, people were a bit more. <laughs> How can I say? Um, Not nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, you know, you're coming from a, a big city, which is like near, uh, near Marseille, and you end up being in a very small village where people are just don't know anything else than the village around, you know? And then mm. coming here it was super hard for me because I think the fact that being in a in a in a, in a small city um, wasn't easy for me. I don't know why. Like it was me, but my my sister my sister was was fine. I think it's probably because I I've always been like very creative and I always found um, I think as a kid I always found like um, say happiness being being like with creative people and. You know, I so my mom is from uh, Tahiti. We like dark skin people, and I think, I think, I, I mean, I don't want to say anything, but I think that was a problem for people like that over there. I was mm. different, mm. you know. I was a different kid, mm. and they probably didn't like that. Um, mm. So I deal with that all my my childhood, and mm. I deal I deal with this, and as a, as a as a little boy, like as a little kid, you don't really understand. So you know, your parents you know, whether oh, it's fine, you know, like they're just weird and blah, blah. So I started like having my group of friends, but growing up was super hard because I, I was like, why, why am I here? I don't belong there. Like I can't, mm. I cannot be around people. Like whenever you were going out, you had someone that coming to you because, because you're not from there. And I was like, mate, mm. I've been there for 15 years now. You can come here, man. I'm mm. part of your mm. village now. You know, it's fine. Mm. And that, that was, that was my whole thing. And then, and then I think that affected me a lot because, um, um, I always feel like I was belonging somewhere else as in, mm. you, you know, um, I know the only people from, from over there that I'm in contact with is the only kids that actually, they're not even from there. They're all, you know, they they just they just like you know like me. They came with their parents, or, or, or they are the, the kids they're making music. You know, and I don't have any connection with the rest of these people. Um, mm. Yeah, 
It, it certainly sounds like from from what you're describing, Jan, that you face some ex- discrimination and perhaps some racial discrimination when you were when you were growing up. Um, yeah. For for you, obviously, kind of losing your your that constant um, re- male role model in your life. First of all, from your, when your mum and dad separated, what was that like having to adjust to that? And then what was that like when you, your stepdad came into your life? Was there, was there a smooth transition or do you feel like um, it, it affected you in parts in, in ways that you're still sort of recognizing now? No, no, it's, it's been great. Honestly, like, I, um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my stepdad, I, I constantly my stepdad, like my dad, you know, um, mm. I, I have like, you know, um, like any, everything is fine in, in the sense that, you know, the relation that I have with my dad is obviously a, weird and different because mm. never really grew up with him it, like when when i moved to 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 the to the other city that that wasn't that wasn't easy because um because my dad was was like from 10 hours drive away from from me so i had to take two planes to go see him and i was like only six or seven and that's mm. you know like something i was doing quite often as well and that wasn't easy, so it, it was kind of hard. I was like, like my stepdad's been like, as in my stepdad uh, and I, we have a strong relationship. Um, mm. But it's difficult when you know your dad, and then you you, you know you you grow up, but you don't have him there, mm, so you have course. someone else. Mm. But but it always been great that you know my 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 stepdad like uh, I feel like my stepdad educated me, and then I wouldn't be probably the person I am right now if my stepdad wasn't around. And mm. and yeah, it's it's not easy. That's true. That it's it's been hard. I know that when I was younger, I think yeah. I mean, I don't I don't have memories probably because I don't want to remember that. But I mean, I wasn't too young. I was like you know eleven, twelve. I think all these events in my life happened. You know, when I moved to this very smaller city. All these things I remember that that was kind of hard in, in my in my head. I was I was dealing with so many things that, you know, my mom like went to 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 she she, she you know she 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 went to, to try to find help and stuff. It didn't really work, but it was good to to see that you know like uh, to see if I could feel better mentally uh, with this situation. Um, it sounds like you had a great support system, at least from from your mum and your stepdad um, and your dad, Jan, when you were going through that awful time. Let's fast forward now to perhaps happier times um, when you moved to London in 2014, which is over six years ago now. So first of all, what made you take that decision and move to a new country? You know, you had to learn a new language and adapt to a whole different culture. As a Londoner myself, I know it's not culturally a very friendly place at times, at least on the tube. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced here, not just culturally, but also for your mental health? Um, so first of all, I moved to London because I've always been fascinated by, I think it's because, yeah, I've always been fascinated by um, by British cultural music you know um i feel like best songs are from 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 england you know um like i've been listening to a lot of american music but mostly i think i've grew up with like Eng- english music my stepdad also he lived in london for uh, for like a year and he um he basically shared his experience. Like he always like been sharing. And I think growing up with that made me feel like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like learning a new language, 
you know, it's a new life starting and, and that's probably why I needed, you know, being young, like moving to, I tried Paris. I didn't like Paris. I hated Paris. So I was like, you know, <laughs> I think a few people have mixed experiences of Paris as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't grow up there. I didn't move there, but I moved there. I think it's when, um, okay. Tragic event when my, my grandmother passed away, she was the one of, the person in my in my uh, in, in my life that was encouraging me to keep doing music, and and then I remember like she thought, because you know I was supposed to move to Paris. She was like, oh, she was like, oh, do it, you know, like if you want to do it, just for music, just do it. And then when she when she passed away, I was like, you know, what, I'm done with this. Like being in a small city, and then and then like I couldn't see myself having career if I wasn't around big things. And I was like, mm, I want to mm. make music. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very inspired and influenced by like international music. So I was like, I need to learn a language. I need to, I need to know how things are happening somewhere else and in the world. So to me, like everything came naturally to be like, oh, I need to move to England, you know. Um, so I did it, and then, and then it's, you know, it's not easy. Of course, it's, it's. It's been hard because actually that was the first time I was living home. It was to live in other countries. So my first flat wasn't even in France. Was in it was in uh, was in the UK in London. So yeah, I started you know um, learning about uh, about this, and then it, it, it's tough, it's hard, but I'm really glad I did it because it helped me so much. You know, like learning a new language, um, learning a cultural. Culture-wise, it's you know it's different. You have to adapt yourself, and it's. But I have to say, it's very different from France. I'm sure there are things like slang in certain parts of London. You know, words that you might never have experienced before that perhaps aren't even in the English dictionary that you might have you might have encountered. Yeah, yeah, there are. Which which is fine actually, because in France there are a lot as well, and then you kind of like start understanding like what they mean and stuff. You touched on your grandmother passing away there, Jan, and how you said that she was a sort of trigger for you to, to, to take this bold step out of your comfort zone and move to a new country. We say, on, we say a lot on this pod, Jan, that grief is actually perhaps something more stigmatised than mental health. Is that something that you would agree with and, and you found in, in your experience? Yeah, I think, I think it, it, it did affect me in the sense that... Um, I think, you know, so my grandmother, she's from Tahiti as well. So she moved to France when she was like 17 or 16. And she lived her whole life here. So I feel like she always like, um, she always want, she always like supported me to be, to do whatever I wanted to do because she did the same, you know. And mm. it's, it's obviously more impactful when someone in your family believes in you and tell you um, to do whatever you want to do you know then just like figure out yourself i don't know if it makes sense but but to me mm. to me that was like i think with every anything that happened in the past in my life i always felt like i needed to go somewhere where i belonged you know and then mm. and then like having all these events together to me that was like the the thing that, that made me feel like you have one life i want to do music i want to you know just do it and then no one's going to be able to tell you what to do. And then, I'll, like, I think growing up, I've always been like this. I've always been like, I've always been, um, you know, very, um, like, I don't mind what people think about me anymore. Like, 
you know, I've, I deal with that all my teenage good that, that now, you know, it's not even a problem for me. And then, yeah. Looking back now, Jan, at the six years that you've lived in London, do you feel at home in London and have you fully embraced it? Um, do you still get a bit homesick? Like I'm sure everyone would living in a different country and, and have you sort of fully embraced the British culture and, and music environment that you're living in? You know what? I keep asking this question to myself. I don't even know. I feel like it's... Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I feel like home, but I wouldn't say like I miss home. Um, be, mm. Probably because my my journey in London has always been for music. So I only see London for music. Um, it, it's... Um, yeah, I... Pro, I, I do. I, I would say like fifty-fifty for both. I, I definitely not miss home as in now because having a career in a big city for anyone, you know, it, you could be from Birmingham and moving to London. It could be from like you know a very small village and moving to London. It's it's always like as a young person who is like driven or whatever. I mean, depends on anyone, but but. I couldn't move back to something small. Like my parents, obviously, mm. my parents don't move, don't live anymore where we used to live. They live in Bethesda you now. But even like moving there, I don't think there's something I would love. Um, but, but I don't know if I would say I feel like I'm, I do. I do start. I, I do. I probably start having this feeling of feeling like oh, this is home. Because whenever I whenever I come back from from France, I, I do feel like oh, this is home. You know, and you or you also realize when you know people are visiting. That they oh you know so much about about the cultural and 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 the city that that yeah it could could feel like home. Uh, I also have you know like I also have like a group of friends and then girlfriend as well with English and um these these things you know obviously help you and. Our final topic of conversation, Jan, and it's one I try and have with all my special guests, which is a general natter about our mental health. So firstly, how would you say your mental health is in the moment, mate? Um, good, man. Really good. Um, yeah. Um, I think I never feel that great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, f- I think I think what's happening in music, um, for me, it's good. You know, I, um, I think I'm doing something that I finally love, like... Um, I found something that I love doing. Um, it, it's it's been hard, but but yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel very self uh, motivated and something that always drives me. Yeah, I'm I'm not looking back. I'm always like looking forward, and then that's something that always drives me. And I, and if you felt comfortable saying, Jan, what mental health issues or conditions, if any, do you live with, and how do they affect you in your day to day life? You spoke a lot about anxiety and imposter syndrome um, at the start of the pod. Is that something that that still is with you now, or do you feel like you've sort of maybe overcome those or got into a better place? I feel like I over I overcome those things maybe right now because I um. It's it's very hard because I feel like I think the fact that I moved to London and I've been there for almost six years, it was hard because my only goal was like oh having Korean music, and then I realized that I, I mean it wasn't easy to open yourself you know like it's a big city most of the people they're not even from London, so you know you you deal with a lot of things, 
And what things do you find in life that might trigger your mental health? Yeah. And so these might be things someone might say to you. It might be a particular sound. It might be a social situation or sensations. You know, what could you tell me a bit about that? Um, you know, earlier I was saying the fact the moving to London was something and then I kind of like developed myself around being, being in music, uh, be, having a career. And then it, it was kind of, it's also kind of hard in the head to, 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 to make like proper friends, I feel like in the city, you know? So mm. it kind of like made me be fully focused on music career. So, which is like 24 hours, you just think about your career and then you think about anything that is around it, you know? So mm. um, I think what is a trigger for me is like, I don't accept, I mean, I don't, I do now, but I feel like I've been really harsh on myself being like, oh, it's a bit like mm. you, you know, don't like don't accept making mistakes because to me it's like I work so hard so it shouldn't happen. So I'm always mm. like I feel like I'm 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 never like you know, sometimes my girlfriend says to me, she's like, look back a little bit and then just realize what you've been doing and what you've done. And then that's true, mm. you know, like that's uh, yeah, that's probably something that I it's hard to deal with. Like I don't I always want to be perfect or one's always one thing to be to, to to be yeah to 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 be as perfect as imagined but but I, I the good thing about this like which joined the first question about mental health is I'm giving up on this like I'm I'm trying I'm I'm actually trying to to just be a bit more open and be like accepting what's going on and this is why these musics that have been released releasing for for the past few months they're so important to me because it's kind of like a a, a new step of being like this is the new me, you know, like, as in, I don't mind anymore. Like, if, you know, if I've been working, if I worked one day on this or two hours or even, I don't know, like, uh, two weeks, uh, like, it's the same amount of work. If I'm happy with this, I release it. I won't be as harsh as I used to be before. And I feel like that's why being harsh on myself was probably mental health, no problem, but mental health thing. It was like, oh, I'm you know, really want to succeed. So you get so harsh on yourself and then you don't even know what you're doing. Um, VS now when I'm like, you know, a bit less and realize that it does probably even better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm, exactly, mate. And I, I think I, I have a mantra in life, which has helped me not be too hard on myself, which is keep it simple. Exactly. That's what I always yeah. try and do. What tools and methods do you use in your own life, Jan, whether that's inside music or outside music to improve your mental health or help you feel better? You know, which ones have worked for you? I think, yeah, being organized is one of the things that makes me, you know, carry on. Um, like I usually wake up super early in the morning and the feeling of being, so this, actually, this is my favorite thing in life. It's probably waking up super early. So like, I can wake up at five or four thirty or or even six sometimes, you know, and that makes me feel so good because I I feel like the world is mine because no one is awake. You can focus on your own ideas, you can focus on your work, and then every day I have like my gym my gym time uh, every morning, you know. So wake up, do gym, and then and then start focusing on on what to do, and these kinds of things like being organized. What I was saying earlier, being organized and being structured this way um, makes me keep going without uh, having to have any issues. And because I need to I have this feeling of needing to work every day, um, 
having you know like this structure definitely helped me to balance the the rest you know i feel like it's something that you have to find in yourself like it's obviously different for a lot of people but to me i found it very um you know like very good to to find the balance and to find this balance between like real life and music life um it was to have a very well structural organization life and yeah just to me it's just this you know like having the the the, the good balance in the perfect amount of music perfect amount of like uh cooking eating perfect perfect amount of like gym time and perfect amount of time with myself and then my family um mm. yeah that's mm. and just as a final question jan yeah. Why do you think it's important that we as men try and open up and normalize the conversation around mental health? And what more do we have to do to help other men be as open? Um, no, I think it's, uh, I think it's very important. I, um, I feel like, I think that that's the problem. Like, I really think that that is a big problem is because we have this thing of like not opening up, um, we stay close in in our in I know in this this feeling and then I think it's very important to just open because I mean I deal with that all my life when you just want to open and then you realize that you know like no one wants to listen or no no one wants to listen but you know like mm. it's hard to be heard and and then I'm, I'm I think I'm a sensitive person so I always like encourage people to to be open about like mental health it could be mental health or anything i feel that's the problem on society is like these days is you if you're a man you you can't you know you can't show you can't cry you can't like show any like outside uh, anything else than just you know being strong well i think that's all we've got time for on this episode of behind the decks i want to say a big big thank you to yan aka pastel for being my special guest on this episode letting me go behind the decks with him. One of my favourite Pastel records, No Rush, will play us out. And I'll put some links to where you can follow Pastel on social media and stream his music in the description of the pod if you want to go crate digging after you've listened to it. As always, thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give this a share on all the usual social media channels. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it or if you're feeling very, very generous, write us a review on iTunes. Stay tuned for the next episode of Behind the Decks. And remember, it's always okay to vent. Take your time We can take it slow Ready, set, and go